All right, we are ready to turn our attention now to hearing from God's Word. First of all, I want to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, and you made the right choice, by the way. You could be at Soldier Field in the bitter cold, maybe as excited for watching the game as coming to Christmas Church, but I'm going to tell you, uh, you'll probably be more disappointed in the outcome. I'm not sure if I ruined anyone's Christmas by giving that hint, but um, in any case, we are here to celebrate and to remember the good news of great joy uh, that is for all people uh, that has come in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, to get started today, I want to ask you to think about uh, what picture comes into your mind when you think about what happened that night when Jesus was born. We just saw a wonderful kind of reenactment of it, thanks to our students for playing the roles of Mary and Joseph. Maybe for you, the picture that comes to mind is a childhood memory of a Christmas nativity like today. Or maybe it's a nativity set you have at home like this one. Uh, or maybe uh, you remember the willow tree line of Christmas ornaments and decorations that came out, I don't know, it was like 20 years ago or something like that. It was super popular when Sarah and I were dating. I think we had a few. I'm not sure where they are right now, but I looked it up. You can buy the whole set for $850 on Hallmark.com. So if you really want to get that, it still is available apparently. But um, actually, this is the nativity set we have at our house. Actually, this is a picture from a few years ago when our kids gathered every nativity set and they set it all up together, plus a few other friends from one of their uh, sets of toys. But we love this image of everyone gathering around baby Jesus. Uh, maybe it's not a nativity set for you. Maybe it's a beautiful piece of art. This is one of my favorite paintings of Christmas. Uh, by Gerard von Hunthorst. That's a mouthful, but the picture is powerful. You have Mary, Mary there uh, adoring her newborn baby Jesus, and there's almost this supernatural light emanating from the Christ child uh, for all those who gather around. Uh, that actual style of art was made famous by another artist whose name was Caravaggio, actually his full name, Michelangelo Merisi da Caravaggio. Caravaggio was the town he was from, but it was the name he became known by and still is to this day. And here's uh, one of his pictures of the birth of Jesus. It's called The Nativity with St. Francis and St. Lawrence. And it's given that name because those two characters actually show up in the painting. Even though they weren't obviously there at the time of Jesus' birth, maybe you know St. Francis. He's often depicted in that brown robe. He was a very important leader of the church in Assisi, uh, in the modern or the middle upper part of Italy. Uh, so he wasn't there at the time of Jesus' birth, but he gets to be in this picture. And here is St. Lawrence, for whom a chapel is named. Uh, and that's where this painting was located when it was first painted in the 1600s. You see him next to that cow there looking over Mary's shoulder. And speaking of Mary, uh, one of the things that's notable about this depiction of the family gathered around Jesus is how real she is portrayed. Her clothes are kind of frumpy, almost falling off of her shoulder. She's slouching there on the ground. You can almost imagine her as a weary woman having just traveled from Bethlehem exhausted by both the travel and childbirth. And there at her feet lies baby Jesus. It's an interesting way to portray the birth of Jesus. 
And what's also interesting about this particular painting is how darkness permeates the scene. Do you notice that? Aside from the actual characters, everything in the background is dark and hidden in shadows. Contrast that with the Christmas lights Pastor Randy asked you about earlier. In the ways maybe you love to decorate your house or the lights here even in the sanctuary, we love light and the way it brings hope and joy into the season. And it's, it's right and appropriate to do so. But the power of light is felt most when you understand how it fills the darkness. And with as familiar as we may be with the light today, it can be easy to forget the darkness that surrounded the birth of Jesus. For example, let's go out to the fields at night where the shepherds were keeping watch over their feet. Luke tells us in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, they were keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It was against that dark night sky that the message came to them, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There was a contrast of darkness and light as the angels and the glory of the Lord burst forth on that night. And much like darkness is all over the painting of Caravaggio, darkness is something we're familiar with in our world as well. Darkness surrounds the shepherds. Darkness surrounds Mary and Joseph and Lawrence and Francis. Darkness is what the prophet Isaiah foretold in chapter 9, verse 2. It's almost like uh, Caravaggio wanted to anticipate that and portray what Isaiah had promised when he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has shined. What the prophet Isaiah foretold and what the shepherds were familiar with was the darkness that surrounded the people of Israel on the day of the first Christmas. They were ruled by a foreign power called Rome. They weren't able to make all of their own decisions. They weren't able to worship as freely as they had hoped to. Darkness surrounded that country, and it surrounded the people as well. But light has a way of overcoming the darkness. John says it this way, when he's describing the coming of Jesus, he says, in him, that is Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light has a way of breaking into the darkness. But there's more to the darkness of this painting of Caravaggio than just what's on the actual painting. Here's a picture of Caravaggio of himself, uh, painted by one of his contemporaries. By all accounts, he was a scoundrel and a criminal. He drank hard, lived hard, and it's even said that he murdered a man. And as a result, he was on run for most of his life until he died at the young age of 37. But there's darkness also surrounding the painting itself, because if you were to go to Palermo, to the chapel of St. Lawrence near the Basilica of St. Francis, you'd see this picture on the wall, but it's not actually the painting itself. Because in 1969, some amateur thieves went and cut it off of the wall, and it was lost to history, perhaps lost for forever. This priceless painting 
stolen in a bad heist, kind of like the Italian job, but it went wrong and lost perhaps to history for forever. So in all sorts of ways, this picture, this right here is a replica of it painted in, 19, or in 2015. It embodies the darkness that we are familiar with in this world. But we're here to celebrate today is that darkness doesn't have the final say. Grown-up Jesus, years later, said it this way in John chapter 12, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, here's the reality. All of us born into this world are born into darkness and death. Even from the very moment we are conceived and born, we are burdened by this thing called sin, and it haunts us to our last breath. We struggle with it. We seek to conquer it and overcome it, and some days feel better than others, and others feel worse as we fall back into the darkness of our own mind, the darkness of words said in haste, the darkness of broken relationships and a broken world. But like Jesus says, we are not designed to stay in the darkness. Instead, he has come as a light. And he says later in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. What does light bring? It brings hope and it brings peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus acknowledges that all the way up until the last day, the world will be broken by darkness, sin, and death. But again, it doesn't have the final say. Take heart. He says, I have overcome the world. And so in this Jesus, this Christ child who comes to bring hope and peace to the world, we find light and we find life. And John says in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 5, this is then the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Friends, we may dwell in a land of darkness. We ourselves may be haunted by the darkness within and around us, but the darkness does not have the final say. For Christ has been born, and the light of life has come into the world, and in him there is no darkness. And so in you, there need not be darkness anymore either. Now, how many of you like to get up and watch the sun rise? Quick show of hands. Any early birds here? A few of you, okay. Maybe what you have noticed is when the sun rises, it does so kind of slowly. Right? If you look off to the east, you see it start to get a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter. And by the time you get bored and forget to pay attention, the sun is already up. You almost hardly notice. It's unlike a sunset where it's bright and brilliant and it paints the sky and then it drops in a sudden flash of light. A sunrise can almost be disappointing if you're hoping for a sudden and a glorious display. But that is the way that Jesus came into the world. He came as a great invasion of light, lighting up the sky that night and lighting up the world ever since. The coming of Jesus transforms the darkness. It destroys it and fills it with his light. That's why in Luke 2, 11, this good news of great joy captivates and captures and transforms us. For unto you, the angel said, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When this light breaks into your life and into this world, you cannot help but be changed. You're put on notice. 
You can't say, yeah, I've heard the story before. Life just rolls on, no big deal. No. This Jesus, the hope of the world, has fundamentally changed the course of history and can change the course of your life as well. So let me take you back to that painting one last time. If you were to pick a spot in this painting and put yourself in it, like St. Lawrence and St. Francis, where would you pick? Maybe you'd choose somewhere up in the sky with the angels. You like the thought of angels and flying. That's not a bad spot. There's lots of space up there. Or maybe you'd choose this spot, down in the corner, right underneath where St. Lawrence and the cow are standing, right next to baby Jesus. It's almost like there's a spot left there for you. And that's what we know to be true. The story of Jesus isn't a story in the past that stays in the past, but it's a story that you are invited to as well. You're invited to join Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, and the angels worshiping this newborn king, this one who has come to bring light and life to the world. So to close today, would you join with me in, in reading uh, the words of that familiar song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and make this our prayer as we celebrate Christmas today. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And verse 4, my slide will work for me. Oh, here we go. Keep going. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Indeed, he has come to bring light and life to all men. Amen. As you think about this and continue in our Christmas worship, we invite you to either think about this if you're on your own or if you're with someone, lean over and share what comes to mind. These are what we call here and practice questions. It helps you take what you're hearing and bring it to heart and put it into practice. So the first one, what part of the Christmas story fills you with the most joy and why? And se second question, who do you know who needs some good news of great joy? And you could pray for them right by name right now. While that's happening, Jonathan and the band will play a little music, and then they'll continue our worship with the Christmas creed here in a moment. But take a few moments and share with someone what comes to mind with these two questions. <laughs> 